Hello and welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. This is the show where we watch movies, play games, and listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump it? Today, at long last, I am joined by my friend Cole from the Aftermath Podcast. What up, homie? Hey, man. How's it going, Miles? Wonderful. Thank you for coming on. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I've, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so it's a real pleasure to be here. I feel like we set this up like 32 times, but now it's finally happened. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Life and podcasting gets in the way, but we're here. So I'm excited. Thank you very much. Yeah. So for today, we are talking about the Book of Eli. But first, a brief history. The Book of Eli is the 2010 post-apocalyptic religious thriller and don't let the religious throw you off it's a very good movie uh it stars denzel washington gary oldman and mila kunis talk about an all-star cast the general plot is that during the great flash which is i'm assuming a nuclear bomb denzel washington gets blinded and 30 years go by after the apocalypse and he's just trying to survive and he is has been commanded by god to deliver a bible to the west coast on the island of alcatraz so the whole time he's just walking west and he encounters mila kunis and gary oldman gary oldman is looking for a bible to use as a weapon since 30 years have gone by since education existed he is able he thinks he's going to be able to manipulate the masses with the bible so that's his plan and Mila Kunis is just kind of around to get water for people, apparently, and she is very uh, ignorant child, so she bumps into him, and she's like, hey, you gotta save me from Gary Oldman, and also teach me how to kick people's asses the way that God taught you how to kick people's asses. So, uh, blind Denzel starts having shootouts with people, even though he can't see, and uh, Gary Oldman gets really pissed off, and is like, I need to get that Bible from that motherfucker. So, uh, he brings a group of goons and tries to take out Denzel Washington for the whole movie and uh, the twist is he does eventually get the Bible from Denzel but it turns out it's written in Braille so he can't read it and uh, Denzel gets to his destination after being shot. Uh, He articulates the Bible word for word to Malcolm McDowell who is uh, the documentarian so yes definitely check out this movie it is a visual spectacle absolutely excellent well shot great choreography and action sequences Uh, we'll tell you how we feel about the acting then but for now let's hear what we have to say so did you say you haven't seen this movie until you were prepping for this podcast that's absolutely correct I just watched it for the first time two nights ago (laughs) Wow. And like, so what made you choose this if you hadn't seen it before? Well, uh, the, the, the audio book or podcast that, that I, uh, narrate and produce is a post-apocalyptic, um, uh, story. And I've always enjoyed post-apocalyptic stuff. I love Denzel Washington and I, I had seen previews for this. I remember seeing previews for it and, but never got around to seeing it. So, I figured all those things combined uh, made made the most sense to uh, to talk about it or to, to watch it and, and ask to be on for for this program. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, I freaking love this movie. It has so much rewatch value. Uh, were you were you fooled by the twist, or did you did someone spoil a twist for you? Okay, so like when I was researching this movie, obviously one of the first things that pops up in Google is the question about the twist. So mm. I, I kind of had a thought process, but I was still caught off guard by it. I was still, the reveal was, was amazing. So um, I thought they did that very, very well. And I hate spoilers. So uh, it, it wasn't spoiled too bad for me. So that's good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Because yeah. I watched it for the first time when it was new. I think I saw it in the theater. And ever since then, it's like the there's nothing like the first watch because you don't see all the shit you see later and you're like, Oh, that's the thing. So correct. In the opening scene, like the first house he goes into, he's like feeling his way through the house. And like, I can't believe I didn't see that. Like the first time I watched it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And, um, you know, I had, (laughs) I had the, uh, 
The climax of The Return of the King spoiled for me when I was 100 pages away from the climax of The Return of the King. Um, oh, my God. So I hate spoilers. <laughs> so what I got what, when I when I saw that as I was doing my research, I knew, I, you know, I only had myself to blame. But still, uh, looking back on it now um, and thinking about it, you know, the subtle clues and stuff, they really did it brilliantly, man. It was really brilliantly done. So, so I take it that you enjoyed the movie then? I, lo- I love the movie. Um, I thought that the first act, like the first 30 minutes where you're kind of figuring out the world and you're figuring out who this guy is and you see him kind of like interact with the merchants and, and try to barter stuff was just absolutely fantastic. I do think it kind of slowed down a little bit in the middle. I think it tried to do a little bit too much. Um, mm-hmm. And I wasn't really all that thrilled with some of the uh, choices that they did for a couple of the... Uh, the actors for the characters, but then the last five minutes just brought it all back together. And, and uh, I walked away very satisfied from this movie. So it's such a satisfying movie and like just everything about it. I like it, it does slow down in the middle. You're not wrong about that. The, uh, the cinematography alone, it makes this like a spectacle to watch. Yeah, absolutely, um, man. You're, you're like, you know, it's like that weird, like bright, but not bright kind of, that's the only way I can describe mm-hmm. it is like, this is bright, obviously, but there's this element of darkness to it. And clearly all the characters are wearing sunglasses. So you're wondering what's going on. But that opening scene cinematography where he's killing uh, like Dr. Evil's cat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, like I legitimately felt like I was walking into a horror movie after that first mm-hmm. scene, the ambiance, the cinematography, like the ashes kind of falling down or whatever his mask that he was wearing. Man, it was so, it was just so, so well done. So well done. Are you familiar with the game Fallout? Have you ever played that? Uh, I played it for a little bit, but I never got too deep into it. But I know what it is. Uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've seen other people play it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things ever, just in general. And like watching this this time around, I didn't play Fallout before when I had seen it. And now I'm like a hardcore Fallout guy. And I'm just like, this is like Fallout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like the barter system and stuff. Oh, it's so much fun. I love this movie. Yeah. Um, Me too, man. <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, so the cinematography, excellent. You, I thought Mila Kunis and Gary Oldman were very good, but Denzel absolutely stole the show, in my opinion. What did you think about the casting choices? You said you didn't like uh, somebody. See, they're the ones that... Okay, so let me, let me preface this. I love Gary Oldman. He's one of my favorite actors, but I think he's way better as a protagonist than an antagonist. Maybe I'm in the minority there, but after seeing him in Christopher Nolan's Batman series and his his role in uh, in Harry Potter as you know, Sirius Black... Oh man, I just think he's so much better of a good guy than a bad guy. Yeah. And and I felt like I don't think the writing really gave him did him many favors. I thought he was I don't know, I thought he was pushing really hard to be evil and he just seemed like a little crazy, but he didn't seem too evil to me. He didn't he didn't grip me as a as a villain. The same way Denzel gripped me as a protagonist. He was fantastic cuz he's Denzel fucking Washington, uh right. <laughs> one of the greatest actors of all time. Um, I didn't get the same from, from him and Mila Kunis. I love Mila Kunis, but I don't know if it was the writing or, or what, but I just didn't get, I didn't feel any, like, I don't want to say any sympathy because then it'd be be considered a cold hearted bastard, but she didn't really (laughs) make me feel empathetic for her situation. At points, she kind of felt like a, I don't know, almost like a whiny girl, which I guess maybe that's what she was supposed to be. And if so, then, you know, good job but i was underwhelmed by those two man and and i, I you know some of your listeners may uh spit on that but i i just i don't know i wasn't i wasn't too impressed with it i have to say gary oldman definitely was a little twirly mustache in this one for sure yeah. he was pushing it like <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he, he uh he's okay though like he wasn't bad i wasn't intimidated by him because he's like an old man or whatever but uh, Mila Kunis, I feel like she was playing an ignorant child, and I think she like nailed that, which is not like a character that people tend to like. So that might be why it was underwhelming, because like she just didn't, she wasn't competent. Is the problem whenever there's a character that's completely incompetent on the screen, it definitely it, it isn't what you're rooting for. You know what yeah. I'm saying? 
Yeah, and I think I think I just you kind of helped me come to the realization that she was trying to play a clueless child, and I'm not a big fan of clueless child uh, characters. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I remember watching like Stranger Things and thinking these kids know how to act; these kids know how to do it well. Not like the kid in Star Wars: Phantom Menace or whatever, like who annoyed yeah. the hell out of me. Uh, so <laughs> maybe that's what it was. But uh, and, and if that's the case, and she did a phenomenal job, and I'll retract my. Uh, my my opinion on that but twirly mustache man absolutely i thought gary oldman <laughs> was uh i don't know man i just didn't i didn't buy it i feel like movies that have protagonists on quests like this really need a strong you know they need the the yin to their yang or vice versa and i i mean as talented as gary oldman is going up against denzel washington i don't think he has the chops of of denzel so maybe that's that helped too i don't know it is interesting to see them on screen together because, like, if you had put a gun to my head last week and said, who's the better actor, Gary Oldman or Denzel, I'd have been like, tough one, but I think Gary Oldman. But you're right. Like, Den- no one delivers lines like Denzel can. He's so, like, flawless. Even when he makes mistakes, he recovers from them in such a believable way. I've not, I just feel like I don't think I've ever heard any actors with the kind of – just the confidence and believability that Denzel brings to the table. Yeah, man. He's never had a bad performance ever. I can never look at a movie and say Denzel was in it and he did all right in it. He did so good. And you're right. Oldman is, is a great actor, but you know, you can't go toe to toe with Denzel and win in many situations. So, yeah, this is either my second or third time covering a Denzel movie. And every time I just sing the praises, like, yeah, she. He's not the reason this movie's bad or good. Like, if it's a bad movie, he's not the reason it's bad. Like, right. so, but yep. he's. Oh, I love him so. It'll Did you see happen. the new, the new movie that he's in with um, Jared Leto? No, I think I may have heard of it though. What is it called? The Little Things is what it's called. The Little Things. That name sounds familiar. Did you see? Did you watch it? I did, yeah. yeah. It, and it's not a good movie, but that's not <laughs> Denzel's fault. <laughs> yeah. It's never it's Denzel's Jared Leto's fault. fault. Well, yeah. <laughs> now there's a guy who <laughs> we could blame for a lot of things, probably. But uh, mm-hmm. that's another that's another podcast. <laughs> that is another podcast. He would have been awful in this movie. But you know who wasn't awful was Tom Waits. I really liked him. Yeah, in this one. absolutely, man. Absolutely, I agree with you on that. Um, and so many good little. Uh, other characters besides besides uh denzel as well for sure Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh, the the barter system and shit like all of it is totally believable because the acting is so yeah absolutely i i like i took notes when i was watching this and i stopped taking notes like i took a lot of notes at the beginning um but i stopped my last note was mussolini because, you know, Oldman is reading Mussolini. Uh, that's the first shot you see of him. And I'm like thinking to myself, I get it, but this is this feels so cliche. Like, of course he's reading Mussolini. Of course he is. That's what, you know, of course he's reading Mussolini. <laughs> but uh, at the beginning, the world building, like, I feel like this, this movie deserves some sort of prequel that kind of expands on, you know, it'd be kind of like the Game of Thrones prequel that's coming out where, you know, you, you, maybe Denzel's not featured, but the world itself is built uh, and you're, you're seeing like, you know, how they came to be to this place and and you know, how the barter system evolved over the over the years, however many years it was. Um, the little details that they had, even though this is a post apocalyptic film, you notice he's got his Beats by Dre, uh, you know, headphones, right. in, yeah. uh, which <laughs> I was wondering the whole time, what time frame are we in? And then when he showed that, I'm like, okay, so it can't be like much later than 2040 or 2050 or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the little details like that were so good in the first 30 minutes of this uh, this movie. And and I wanted more of the barter system and stuff, but I realized I had to get to I had to get to the the, the middle act. Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel like the middle act slowed down once he got thrown into the hotel room and wasn't allowed to leave. That's really when things started to drag for me. Did you lose interest at all or was it just kind of? No, I honestly, like when I started losing interest when, 
you know, he locked Mila Kunis in the, uh, the water reservoir or whatever. And, and he came back and got her. And, um, I thought they tried really hard to, to, to like kind of do too much. You know, they tried to ex- expand on his backstory, who he was while simultaneously doing, you know, car chases. And then they run into the very weird couple where Albus Dumbledore is suddenly now a, uh, you know, a cannibal uh, with his crazy right. wife. Um, and and I just kind of thought, I, I thought they tried to do too much. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw the car chase, I was extremely underwhelmed. Probably not because it was really any, I mean, short or bad or anything like that, or not necessarily a car chase, but their pursuit of, of him really, because I think I'm spoiled by Mad Max Fury Road, which is the greatest, Mm -hmm. you know, 90 minute car chase in the history of of mankind. But that's where I think (laughs) I kind of got a little like, all right, like you did so much in the beginning to build things up. And now we're going through all these like kind of tropes or whatever, um, you know, the crazy couple in the house, you know, I also thought when they RPG'd the house and they're firing at the house, I'm like, this book could easily just be, you know, destroyed right here. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he launched a rocket in it. So there were those moments where I was kind of like, they just did, they tried to do too much, I feel like, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but I stuck with it and I'm glad I did because the reveal at the end, I got real, you know, it definitely perked me back up because it was so, so well done. So I didn't realize, is it the guy who plays Dumbledore was the old crazy redneck dude? Yep, that's he's the old crazy redneck dude, man. That's the guy who played Albus Dumbledore. I forget his name, but it's him. Uh, Uh, Michael Gambon or something like that? That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, that's him. That's crazy. He totally transformed. I didn't recognize him at all. Yeah, he had no beard and the hat on or whatever. Kind of crazy. When he he goes, do I have guns? And he like yeah. flips up the couch yep. and it's just like yep. an arsenal. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. When I think of this movie, I think of them like falling in the trap hole and looking up, and them looking down and be like, "Hi!" And they're yeah. like cannibals and stuff. That's yeah. the first thing I think of when I see this movie. Yeah, it, it'll be a long lasting uh, memory for me too. Uh, I thought it was so great how again, like the handshaking thing. At the beginning, I don't know if it was because I was looking at so many other details or doing whatever, but when they go it, when he goes first into the um, the shop to get his battery charge for his MP3 player or whatever whatever type it was, I don't want to say iPod because it wasn't an iPod, and they they asked to show his hands. I, maybe I missed it. I don't know if the detail was in there at the beginning when he was attacked by the you know the uh, the 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 outlaws the raiders the, the raiders or whatever yeah better word on the side of the road I'm like what are they looking for like what what are they figuring out and again i could have missed it but when they have that quick conversation in there denzel and, and mila and they're like you know look at their hands are shaking and he's like at too much human meat um and then you see him for just a brief second you know when he's like okay we gotta go now and he turns on his smile you get that little comedic Denzel in there so he adds a little bit in there and I thought it was a great I thought that was definitely a great uh a great scene when you discover what what is the handshaking thing or at least when I discovered it I maybe yeah when they (laughs) when they finally like spelled it out yeah because I remembered it being a thing but I didn't remember everywhere they went they go show me your hands and he's just like straight as a board or whatever right so like that's a pretty cool mechanic to put into something and be like are you a nasty evil dude or not and it's just like look see i'm not a nasty evil dude but yeah it's it's so wild to think like it's and like the water rationing thing like just all the resources are so hard to come by i imagine cannibalism is rampant so that that makes sense yeah it sounds like a lot of people in that world are are resorting to it and unfortunately they have (laughs) you got to go to crazy Gary, Gary Oldman to get any sort of like protection or whatever and, and decent food um, to be protected from cannibals. So uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Indeed. Um, so that looks like it is probably a pretty good time for us to take a brief break and we will be right back. Yeah. 
Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the disk dump in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. That'll help me a little bit. Hello, I am Chris from the Geek Peak Podcast, and I am very excited to introduce my two friends here. Miles. Hello, I'm Miles from the Disk Dump Podcast and Toast of the Realms Podcast. And Josh. Hi, I'm Josh from the Four Nerds by Nerds Podcast. We are very, very excited to be doing a brand new podcast together. We are joining forces, and we are going to be reviewing horror movies. It is called High on Horror. It's going to be our podcast where we talk all about horror movies. We're going to review them, and we're even going to have some audience participation. I hope you guys are excited. The show will debut in September, so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, which is high underscore on underscore horror you can also follow us on twitter at high on horror the o and on is a zero and remember life is tough so why not take a break and get high on horror everybody yeah book of eli yeah talking blind dudes yeah deliver that bible right anyway that was a little improv for you i hope you enjoyed that uh (laughs) so uh thank you guys for listening to this episode i really appreciate each and every one of you it's crazy how right when i start to dedicate less time and energy to doing this podcast all of a sudden everybody is telling me how much they love it and i really appreciate all of you so thank you guys so much for listening I really, really appreciate it. I'm sorry that I'm not releasing them all the time. However, I appreciate that you're listening. So come October, there's going to be plenty of episodes. I promise you that. I also want to make a point to say thank you to Cole. Uh, He and I have been talking since I first got into podcasting. Like We've been chit-chatting for literally years now, so it's about damn time that he ended up on my show. So thank you, Cole, for coming on. Audience, make sure you check out the Aftermath podcast. It is a fun radio drama. Talk about dedication. These dudes, the Fire Pit Creative Group, they put a lot of time and energy into this podcast, and uh, I think it's really excellent. I think he would prefer me to call it an audio book, but the production value is excellent. Cole is a fantastic narrator, and uh, overall, I think you guys should just check it out because it's a really good time and uh, there's a lot of content to it a lot so if you're listening to it man you can really glean a lot Um, so check that out and if you are also into radio dramas be sure to check out toast of the realms podcast the podcast is not yet out we are working on we just have to record a theme song and it's ready to party so um yeah the uh toast of the realms podcast if you could follow us on social media all of them just type in toast of the realms we should be the number one thing you see so please check out toast of the realms if you follow social media and we get a little bit of traction right out the gate it will make a huge difference on where we pop up on the charts so please do that i really appreciate it and uh yeah so it's a dungeons and dragons radio drama podcast it's super fun uh we're playing dungeons and dragons for your entertainment so yes once again that's toast of the realms on all podcasting platforms and social media coming soon Alrighty, everybody thanks for listening and here's the rest of the book of eli So, uh, gunplay in this movie was pretty damn good, I think. Yep. Yeah, I liked how they, uh, you know, kind of, um, they, they, they played it off like, is it loaded or not? You know, is that mm-hmm. gun loaded? And they really didn't uh, go too crazy with it. I was kind of like, when he got shot the first time, 
And I still don't know, like, I still am kind of like, well, was he like divinely like protect, like he must have been obviously legitimately divinely protected or, or like was the backpack, did the backpack protect him? You know, at that first part, I was like, what, you know, what the hell's going on? But they did such a good job with, um, they minimized it, I thought. They didn't overdo it, which I, this movie was not supposed to be an action movie. So I'm glad they didn't like, you know, just do guns blazing for an entire act. What did you, what did you like most about it? Oh man, the the Gatling gun was pretty dope though. Yeah, <laughs> guns of blazing at the end there. <laughs> yeah. But I like uh, he he definitely looks down the barrel of a gun multiple times, and it's like, hmm, all right. Yeah. But the uh, when the bald guy goes to shoot him, the first shot you hear it ricochet, and I was like, that bullet didn't just bounce off Denzel, did it? And then the next shot hits him in the hood, right square in the back of his neck, and it bounces right. off. And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't realize he was legit a superhero in this movie until this time around, but he totally was. Right. And I, like, you know, you're putting pieces together. You're like, obviously, it's the Bible at that point. You know that's that's what it is. And But I'm still thinking... Are they trying to make it so that it's like it's too coincidental and like he has some sort of protection in his backpack that we haven't seen yet? Or does this dude actually like legitimately blessed by God until he fulfills his mission, which you realize at the end that that's exactly what has happened, which uh, is pretty, pretty amazing. That's why he was so astounded when Gary Oldman shot him. He's like, oh, shit, I'm not bulletproof anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. And he had mad skills. He was chopping people up with that crazy machete Dude, sword thing. The first fight scene, I was like, I mean, he they choreographed that brilliantly. It looked like something out of the Matrix, man. He looked like, you know, Neo just destroying all the Smiths in the Matrix. It was fantastic uh, choreography. And he moved like he was, you know, in his 30s, not in his, his 50s or however old he was when he made this movie. I don't know if he's mm -hmm. he'll ever age. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this most recent movie he was in, he uh, he put on a couple pounds, let's just say. He? <laughs> so, yeah, he hasn't been in anything yeah. in a while, but yeah, he uh, he's fast as lightning. It, I didn't realize this movie's like 11 years old already. Yeah, man, 2010. Like, it feels so new to me still. Like, I feel like it was not that long ago. I saw it for the first time, but um, so a question that I pose to you, if you don't want to answer it, it's okay. I'll cut it out. Are you a religious man? Um, I am, uh, I question things. Uh, I would call myself, uh, like agnostic leaning Christian, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, that does. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I get that. Or Christian yeah, leaning agnostic, one or the other. I don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no hate here. That's yeah. very similar to how I feel about the world. Yeah. So it's like, the Bible thing detracts a lot of people from liking this movie. I think. Did you think that it had a positive or negative effect that the the movie is like a religious movie? It's like a religious western. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's refreshing, man. Um, you don't get to see much religion in mainstream movies unless it's being just absolutely shit on, uh, and. You know, I'm confident enough in my, you know, faith or, um, you know, my curiosity about the universe and questioning things to be able to see this and say, all right, like, I don't know if I 100% like, if I'm 100% understanding of what's going on in the universe, um, but I can respect this. And I think it's really cool that they, they did this because they wrapped it all around a post-apocalyptic setting in, 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 in the West, which you don't really see many post-apocalyptic movies or TV shows in the West, which is really cool. You got mm -hmm. great actors. Um, so no, man, I, 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 I was not turned off by it. I could see how some people would be, but you know, it's 2021 and, and everybody can get offended about anything i guess so but, this is true <laughs> but i could see that what about you what are your uh what were your thoughts on that um well i was raised pagan so okay. in other words not really religious in any way so yeah that was uh we my mom used to restore churches like she, that was her job was to like fix the paintings and stuff in churches so i spent a lot of time in churches and all that taught me was like 
hey, uh, nobody knows anything. <laughs> so that's kind of where I come from with it. But I wasn't turned off by the fact it was the Bible. Like, it had to be a holy text of some kind to make yeah. the movie what it is. So, like, Christianity, it could have been the Torah. I don't really care personally. Yeah. But get this. So uh, I don't, I'm not going to put his name out there and put him on blast. But I will tell you, this is somebody I used to work with. He is deeply religious Christian man. He's so religious. And, like, he has some backward-ass views politically, but that's okay. Uh, so he just, like, he's deeply, deeply religious. And uh, he watched this movie and he thinks that the twist of the movie is that Denzel Washington can read Braille. He's not blind. He can just read Braille. Do you think there's merit to that? Because I watched it with a pretty scrutinous eye and it seems pretty clear that it's. Yeah, I, I, I can see why people would think that, but his eyes are blurry at the end and they weren't blurry throughout the rest of the movie. I think what I think the message is that God gave him the sight uh, and the ability and the mission. And it took him 30 years to do it. And once he accomplished the mission, uh, or once he gave up the book, whatever you, you say, I think probably once he accomplished the mission, his sight was taken away from him. Um, I believe, I believe that's what it is, but it's the beauty of movies like these is that they're open for interpretation. But I, I do think that he was, is supposed to be sent, uh, on a mission from God and given powers from God. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Like, I feel like he missed the point of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. But the the plot of this movie is pretty elaborate. For So I was thinking, I was like, how do I define this? Post-apocalyptic, check, for sure, definitely. But is it a Western or like a Shogun movie? Because it's kind of like all three genres blended together, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. They, they, they blended it. I don't know how to how to really characterize it. I mean, the only thing you can definitively say, in my opinion, is, is post-apocalyptic with some Western flair, obviously. Um, but there's Shogun mm -hmm. elements in it. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, they, in that regard, in, in the cinematography and, and the setting and stuff, I think they, where they tried to do a lot, they succeeded. Um, yeah. You know, making you feel multiple different things. Like I said, at the beginning of the movie, I thought I was walking into a horror movie after the first three minutes that first scene i'm like i'm walking into like the walking dead like movie what like, what is <laughs> happening here um so they they it's fantastic cinematography fantastic yeah like and it's not even just like the the different filters they use which is pretty crazy like i enjoyed all the filters but the uh just the way that they framed all the shots it was like excellent directing and you could tell they took like a long time making sure every scene was like perfect there wasn't a whole lot of fat to trim in any scene of this movie specifically like they every moment of the movie mattered yep there wasn't a lot of pointless shit to it and i mean for a two-hour movie that's not a common thing to have every moment of the movie matter yeah it, it really did i mean simple things like the kfc or the kentucky fried chicken sorry kentucky fried chicken uh, or kfc what what is it actually called these days is it kfc or kentucky fried chicken I just call it KFC, okay. but it yeah. is it is both yeah. at the same time there, for sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lyric from a uh, uh, from a band, Third Eye Blind. I'm sure you probably know who they are. Hopefully, I'm yes. not dating yes, myself there. But uh, <laughs> one of their songs says they call it KFC because it's not really chicken. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you know he's using those at the beginning to basically clean himself, and you know that's great. And then he goes later and uses it as part of his trade with the guy who can charge his battery, he gives him the, the towelettes and the guy's like, you know, Ooh, this is, you know, this is yeah. gold. And so not wasted at all. Like you look at him doing that and, and many movies, they may shove that off. Like, ah, oh, you'll never see the KFC towelettes again, but they, they brought it in, man. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the foraging aspect of it, I find like the game fallout is very largely foraging for shit that is good. And like, just so many elements of this movie are also used in fallout and it's just so immersive for me because like, isn't that like the dream of most people these days is like post-apocalyptic. How am I going to survive? And like anything that's set in the real world like that, like, Oh, I have these wet wipes. This is extremely valuable right. at this point. Like, you know, like it's so great. So well thought out and yeah, this is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they leave little clues again, like about, 
currency and stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember, but the guy asked at one point, um, the guy he was dealing with the, I don't know if he was called the engineer or the, or I forget what they were calling, you know, what they called him, but he said, you got any toys? And you're wondering like, does he mean like actual, like old toys, like, or is toys slang for something else? And that's why I go back to, I think I, and I just wish that we could dive more into, you know, all that, all that kind of minutiae and stuff that, that. Oh just, man. Yeah. You know what? Now that you said the toys was something else, holy shit. It totally makes more sense. Now he was asking for drugs is what, cause he goes, I don't play like, Oh, it was, uh, okay. There it is. There it is. I think it's drugs or it could be anything bad really, but well, still like. I, I, that's a great idea. I didn't. I never thought of I'll, that. Well, I'll take this as a eureka moment that we worked on together. That we discovered. Yeah, for sure. Show. Collaboration. We know what he's talking about now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was. Hmm. I like this movie a lot, man. Yeah, it's really, really good. <laughs> really good. It makes you. It makes you think a lot. Going back to the KFC talents, this is a little like sidebar thing. So I'm down in Florida, and it's hurricane. It's getting ready to hurricane season, and. Um, part of our hurricane preparedness is getting like, you know, uh, wet wipes or whatever in case you lose power or water for a couple of days. So that made me think about that and made me think I got to go like, you know, get ready for hurricane season, stock up now so that I'm not, you know, in mid August staring down the face of a storm and I'm, you know, I've done enough panic or I've had, I've been, I've seen too much panic shopping, you know, over the past year, I don't want to go do it. Um, yeah. And uh, it's funny because I don't know if you've ever had to stock up for any sort of emergency in your life, uh, like, or preparing for like not having power. You're up North, right? You're in Pennsylvania or something like that. I'm in Pennsylvania and I was raised by a couple of doomsday preppers. So, okay. So, you know, you know, then, then you know, but I don't know about for you, but we Floridians down here, we would get like the towelettes and get like the non-perishable food. And we'd buy it a couple mm-hmm. days in advance. But I know I would be horrible in a post-apocalyptic scenario because yeah. I compare to a hurricane preparedness and I get all this non-perishable food. And three days before the storm even hits the shore, all the Pop-Tarts are gone. All the, you know, everything's <laughs> gone. Like, you know, so it just made me think like, you know, we I got to get my towelettes and my Pop-Tarts, but my Pop-Tarts are going to be gone, you know, way before a hurricane comes. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the towelettes thing I never really thought about. Like, I we've been stocking up like crazy on canned goods, but it's because there's so much, like the there's so many hungry people that there's just like these stations where they're just like giving out so much food to anybody who wants it, and so like my grandmother, my uncle, and my mom all go and get this food because they don't have jobs, and they like they get so much food that they're like, here, have this. And they just give me like 300 cans of food. And I'm like, I don't even need to prep. Like they're doing it for me. I have 61 different time, kinds of tomato sauce here. So that's a good thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are they bringing you any terrible drinks? I know that you've you know, tasted oh. a lot of terrible drinks and stuff. <laughs> good question. Good question. Um, there have been a few. I've been getting uh, – <laughs> canned meat and canned fruit which i'm okay with the canned fruit the canned meat's real weird <laughs> depends on what kind but of canned the, meat brother <laughs> it, just, it just says beef on it no there's i have a beef i have a chicken and i have a turkey and i'm just like uh <laughs> so yeah anyway the terrible drinks though they've i've gotten cans of juice that aren't like soda cans but like juicy juice that gets like you dilute it and stuff but as far as like terrible drinks i don't think i've gotten any from them i've gotten some doozies lately though i got somebody gifted me ketchup soda the other day it's gonna get weird (laughs) it's gonna get weird So for the audience who doesn't know, I do a segment called Terrible Drink from time to time whenever I have someone sitting in front of me, which is not much these days. But we like I open a drink that is just a weird drink and we decide if it's terrible or not terrible. And it's super fun. <laughs> so what's your yeah, ratio but, on on terrible drinks to good drinks? Like, you know, would you uh, say? as of the last episode that we did, it is straight down the middle half of them have been good half of them have been terrible wow but i would argue the good ones are okay 
and the terrible ones delve so deep into the name terrible <laughs> they're so bad the seventh circle of terrible yeah yeah for sure so <laughs> oh man i miss those segments oh anyway well you have ketchup soda coming up soon it sounds like so godspeed to you on that yes i they gave me ketchup and dill pickle yeah. please don't like have some sort of reaction we want to continue listening to the distance so don't like you know have some sort of <laughs> sick reaction to this stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, that's half the fun. <laughs> so uh, this show is called The Disc Dump, and the reason it is called The Disc Dump is that I have all this physical media all around me, and I don't know what to do with it. Like, I, my sister just dumped a bunch of Nickelback CDs on me. <laughs> so, like, if that's getting the dump, I'm not even doing episodes about those. But I have to decide what is worth keeping and what's not just because there's so much of it. And I know a lot of it is, but so much of it isn't. So that said, The Book of Eli, I have it on DVD. Do you think I should give this disc the dump? I don't. I think you should keep it. Uh, I will tell you that halfway through the movie it was because of that hard middle part i was a little bit worried i was like i'm gonna have to recommend dumping it but the ending really shorted up i think you should keep it um you know hell if we go into uh you know post-apocalyptic world what better thing to have than you know a post-apocalyptic physical copy of the book of eli True that, yeah. man. True that. So we both agree this is an excellent movie. And the only thing that tempts me into saying dump it is because if I got it on Blu-ray, it would be a lot better looking because the DVD Ooh. was not great looking. Good call. It was, it was great for 2010, but I think I am going to dump it and exchange it for the Blu-ray because this one is definitely worth keeping. Now that you bring that up, I agree with you 100%. If you're going to replace it with another copy, then you know a higher quality, I'm with you 100% on that. That's the one for yeah. sure, man. So uh, you do a very interesting show. You are the first uh, person on here, I believe, who does a radio drama for your show. Yeah, it's like kind of radio drama, but mostly like an audio book uh, with elements of, of uh, audio and radio drama in it. It's post-apocalyptic um, and it's called Aftermath. Um, it's about, uh, it's set in the year 2112, which is a tribute to the band Rush. I don't know if you are a Rush fan or mm. ever listened to them. Um, me and my buddies who created this were all mega Rush fans. So we set it in 2112 and it's about, you know, a, a group of, uh, the, the last 3000 living human beings who live underground after, you know, the bombs drop in, in 2069 and, you know, a select group of people are tasked with going back to the surface to see if they can start returning. Um, very character driven. And, uh, you know, there's some distrust of the government in the underground project, uh, which is, you know, relevant today, as we all know. Um, yeah, so it's, it's an audio book. And actually, I know that you, you know, you're working on, you know, another uh, project. Am I? You can edit this out. Am I allowed to mention this? Have you mentioned this? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I know you're working on a, a role-playing game related project. This story actually came about from a role-playing game that me and my friends played around the time the Book of Eli came out, uh, totally unrelated to it, obviously. Um, but we, we played a game uh, about 10 or 11 years ago for about two years. We stopped after two years just due to you know life and stuff. Um, but we talked mm -hmm. about it. It's one of those games that we talked about. I don't know if you have any of those where you just oh, yeah. you stop playing, but you talk about it and refer to it. And we were sitting around a fire pit one night, as we always did, and decided we should try to share this with with the world. So aftermath was uh, aftermath was born. So um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, very fun stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what what game specifically were you playing? Just out of curiosity, we play. We use the fate uh, system. Um, which actually, I don't know if there's, if any of your listeners play this, but, uh, me and my friends actually, uh, helped play test and, and, um, you know, play test the design for that system. The Dresden Files role-playing game was, you know, built largely on that, um, with, uh, with Leonard Balsera was one of the, you know, lead designers of it. Um, and so that's what we played. We played Fate, you know, we played D and D and all kinds of other stuff, but we used, uh, 
we use the fate system for uh, for that. That's the thing about role playing games and tabletop games is you need to hit a certain level of comfort and like really have a good campaign going before you can even start to think about trying a new game. And every time I've gotten to the level where it's like now we're trying a new game, it like dissolves and it's yeah. like no, come back, no, please wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm actually designing one right now uh, for. So there's the Fallout. Oh, I'm I got Fallout on the brain. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all good. Uh, <laughs> they uh, there's a Fallout tabletop game, but it's like a war game. It's not there's no role playing aspect to it. So I was like, fuck this. I'm making my own. So now I've started making a Fallout game, and I'm talking to Bethesda. They're not gonna give it to like I'm not gonna be allowed to publish it, but I'm talking to them about it. Maybe I'll get a job nice. or something. So <laughs> so yeah, I was telling them about it, and uh, yeah. So my buddies and I have started playing it, and just working out the rules is is a lot of minutia but once that's done we're having a great time so that's fantastic man um if you ever need if you you ever need anything from from us like extra set of eyes anything um and then of course once you actually you know publish it and get it out there man we'll we'll be first up to uh to to purchase something so that's great man good for you man that's that's good yeah thank you thank you and you uh like i intend to have guests on the D &D podcast and who knows what's going to come out of this Fallout stuff? It's a trademark name, so I probably won't be able to do it as a podcast. But we'll see. I might yeah. tempt some fate. So, <laughs> so cool. yeah. Uh, when when we're having guests on and stuff, it's good to know you're a tabletop gamer. One hundred percent, man. Yep. Me and, yeah. and and my three, you know, my three uh, three co-founders of our our group, um, Fire Pit Creative Group. You know, they played it way longer than I have, but but we've all played it together. And we have a a, a show that we do. We've only done a few episodes. We call it After Show, where we just kind of talk about stuff. But uh, I mean, we'd love to possibly have you on uh, to talk about these projects and kind of talk about gaming a little bit. So, love to return the favor yeah. and have you on that too. So, I'm in. Let's yeah. do it. That sounds fun. Good. Hell Good yeah. <laughs> so, the show Aftermath, uh, very exciting. I've listened to a couple episodes of it. I remember I enjoyed it. It's just. Uh, you have to follow the narrative of it. So sometimes it, you require a lot of thinking to like pay attention and focus, yeah. which is not my strong suit. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, uh, I do enjoy it a lot. It's a good show. I listened to several episodes of it. I remember I was already starting to get invested in the characters. I didn't realize you were the one doing the voice work because it's like you're really good at manipulating your voice and telling a story it's very good so audience i recommend that you check out aftermath how do they find it well first off thanks for those kind words man i mean everybody's their their own worst critic and uh, i always you know worry about that so uh, i really appreciate that um you can reach us on our website at aftermathpodcast.net um and you can listen to the the audio book audio drama whatever you want to call it however you want to categorize it um, on any of the major, um, you know, streaming platforms, YouTube uh, as well. Um, there's no video aspects to it. Not not too much yet, but hopefully we'll get some in the future. Um, on Twitter, you can find us at Group Fire Pit. On Instagram at Fire Pit Creative Group Official. And on YouTube and Facebook at Fire Pit Creative Group. That's the name of our company. But the best place to go to find all of that in one place is our website, which is aftermathpodcast.net. Awesome, man. Awesome. Oh, there's one more question I want to ask you before we wrap it up. You are you the one who's like doing paintings of like story art and stuff? No, that's actually uh, Warren Davis. Warren actually is the writer of Aftermath. So he writes Aftermath um, and he also does all the artwork that you can see on on aftermathpodcast.net. And um, he does an original soundtrack for the the story as well. So you can go on to aftermathpodcast.net and see um, all of Warren Davis's artwork and his uh, original compositions. So uh, I, I'm, I'm glad. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's a super talented guy, great friend, um, as are the other two in our group, Willem and, and Rhett. Um, you know, we're, we're just a, a band of friends who work together. That's it. Hell yeah. yeah. I've been waiting for you to illuminate some light on that for a while. Yeah, I was like, 
going to ask, but I need to know what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. man. Very cool. Um, so, audience, to get a hold of me, you can email me, discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little PP in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the discdump. Facebook, Instagram, all of it, discdumppodcast with a C is uh how are you gonna find me so please do like and subscribe if you can if you're an apple user do the whole liking and blah 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 any whosens so what would you like to recommend to the audience cole all right i'm gonna cheat because i have three things if that's okay so from a from a messaging standpoint two things number one uh if you have a passion for any sort of gaming movies anything that you're creative about and you're thinking about um creating a product that people can consume and you're just worried about it not being successful, just go out and do it. Uh, you know, everybody needs to hear other people's creativity and stuff. Um, so just, if you have an idea, just go for it. Second thing is in this day and age, when we have 24 hour news cycles, um, try to find news, not media, uh, to consume. And the last thing is from a media perspective, um, I think that you gotta, I would recommend just watching it's an old movie, but it's one of my favorites. I would watch Predator, the original one. Hell yeah. Uh, a plus movie, A plus soundtrack. Fight me about it. That's that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for doing this episode with me, man. Dude, thank you for having me, man. It's been a pleasure and uh, really looking forward to, to hearing what else you got in store. Awesome. Well, audience, until next week, toodles.